Welcome to the Songwriter Connection Podcast, where we look at the craft of songwriting through the eyes of a songwriter. Each week, we make a connection with a music maker, listen to their songs, and hear their stories. From Nashville, Tennessee, here's your host, Dave Lenahan. And this month, we are celebrating SCP 500K. What? We're talking about Songwriter Connection, 500,000 listeners now worldwide. Thank you so much. All right. Appreciate you spreading the word about our humble little little podcast that started during COVID. And today on the show, a very special guest. And as a matter of fact, the Hall of Famer is back. And they say uh, three's a charm, so I think we probably get it right this time, right? Kent Blazy? I, I think we get it right every time. You do a great job. So. Thank you so much. Enjoyed having you on in the past. Uh, just to let you know a little bit more, in case you don't know, if you're under a rock somewhere, Kent's songs really help to uh, defend fine uh, one of the greatest eras in country music the 90s country era is big and back and uh, he wrote some great songs like tomorrow never comes the first one from that garth brooks guy the first number one but uh, other ones ain't going down to, to the sun comes up and uh, but for other artists too i mean uh, there was uh, uh there, I, i'm looking at uh, diamond rio um pa- uh, just in the, uh, patty loveless uh, patty loveless just in the hall of fame i'm drawing a blank there uh and uh the black dress song chris young yeah, yeah. by the way uh, on that our last episode that we did was uh episode three season three check it out because uh he'll he'll tell you the story about how the black dress almost didn't get into that song that's right that was a that was a cool story and in our first episode, it was back season three, episode uh, number three, uh, was uh, the story behind how you wrote uh, Tomorrow Never Comes uh, with Garth and your yeah. good buddy Garth and getting into the uh, uh, Nashville Songwriters Hall of Fame. So good to have you back. It's good to be here, always. You've been very, very busy, huh? I have been uh, out promoting this new record mm-hmm. from the Beatles to the Bluebird. Oh, and, I want to talk uh, about it. Mm-hmm. That's what you got to do. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, I, right away I was thinking about this this morning on my walk. They talk about the day the music died, February 3rd, 1959, the plane crash that took Buddy sure. Holly and uh, the big Richie bomb, Valens. Richie Valens. Yep. And I think if you could pick a day that the music was resurrected, it would probably be February 9th, 1964. I think that is correct. Um, yeah. You know, I remember it. Um, Kennedy had been assassinated. Yeah, just months before. Everybody was so depressed. It was like nine one one when everybody was scared to go out at night and 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 do anything. And then here come the Beatles, mm-hmm. and they bring a joy back to the world. And you know, people that weren't around at that time don't know the impact that it had on everything: politics, religion, clothing, music. Um, yeah. And it's still echoing out. You know, they have a new song out. They do, and I love that new <laughs> and, song. What do you uh, think of that new song? It's pretty cool how they yeah. could do it, you know, and that all the original Beatles are on it because Harrison yep. did some kind of part in the mid-'90s or something on yeah, it. And, yeah. uh, and they were getting a lot of flack about people saying, well, it's not John, it's AI John, and it's not. Uh, Ringo just came out this week saying that, no, no. What they used a, uh, AI for was to separate the track, right. uh, piano, uh, but they use some of the original piano too, and his voice. But no, it's it's it really is him singing, you know. And Peter Jackson's the one that developed that technology, being able to pull things apart that are in a mix. Mm-hmm. And he did that for the Get Back movie or whatever it was that they did. That you was know? a great and, film. A great film. Yeah, absolutely. So you've got this new record out, which really highlights that date in history. And it's going to be the 60th anniversary this year. Wow. Can you imagine that? I yeah, can't, I can't imagine that. I, I can't either. It's incredible. But I do remember that day watching it, and I remember the day sitting around um, 
I was I was just a kid, and my grandfather, who lived in Buffalo, New York, reading the the, the Buffalo News uh, around his uh, table. Not quite this table. This is an antique table. We still have that table in our family. But he's reading the paper, and he goes, Ah, Davey, look at these guys from Liverpool with the long hair. And he turns the record, <laughs> the paper around, and he goes, They're called the Beatles. And uh, he's, you know, Oh, they'll never make it, right? Right. Well, that's what, you know. <laughs> Immediately I had to hear them, you know. <laughs> exactly. If they don't like it, I must like it. You yeah. Know? Yeah. But uh, it did. It cha- They changed everything. Yeah, it really did. And, and tell us how, how. How do you see that? I was, how, we talk about, I just said they resurrected music. But, I mean, all of a sudden people are thinking, I want a guitar. I can write music. Exactly. And, you know, more people watched TV that night than had ever watched TV. And the crime rate in America went down wow. while they were on the Ed Sullivan show. So how, how bizarre is that? But, mm. um, you know, it just, they had a sound that nobody else was doing. And they'd incorporated a lot of the Everly Brothers and Chuck mm-hmm. Berry and Elvis, all those They loved all that them. stuff, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the cool thing about that, too, is we, in this day and age, take music for granted so much. We do. You want a song, you go to Spotify, you go to yeah. Apple. Uh, they would ride three hours on a bus to hear a 45 of Little Richard singing Tutti Frutti. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. music was a different thing. Yeah. And they made music for teenagers turn into that. And, and mm. you're right. So many people started wanting to play guitar like uh, the Beatles when that came out and the mm-hmm. guitar sales just shot up. And uh, in the one song about the Beatles to the Bluebird, there was yeah. a kid three streets down, and he was already a pretty good player. And uh, he, I didn't play, but he knew I wanted to play guitar. So he sold me his Stratocaster on time. Mm-hmm. But to give me lessons, I had to buy him cigarettes. <laughs> and it was Kentucky, you know, so you could smoke when you were six. But, yeah. Always um, encouraged the Kentucky. The, tap, the tobacco was... Tobacco big... and whiskey, you yeah, know. Yeah. And so... Uh, that's kind of how I got into Isn't it. Isn't that something? And, uh, you know, and I wanted to say, too, and there's another thing I wanted to bring up. You came from the Lex- Lexington, Kentucky area, right? Correct. And just recently on the show, we had um, uh, a couple of members from Exile on oh, the I'm show. I'm sorry. <laughs> and we had a, just a wonderful time. And, of course, they came from that area, too. Well, and, they were very influential on me. Uh-huh. Um, you know, they were like the group in Lexington from right. the time I was a little kid. And when they were the exiles. They were the exiles. <laughs> and uh, the one guy, I don't know if Sonny was one of Sonny the Sonny was here. one of the guys. Well, yep. Sonny and I used to play in bands together. Did you really? Yeah. And um, the cool thing about Sonny, I mean, we're still friends, kind of <laughs> like Garth and I. You know, it's yeah. just so unusual these days to have people that have been friends that long a period of time it in is, the music business. Yes, and, uh, yes. So I was... Uh, I was playing guitar for Ian Tyson in Canada, and I had a couple weeks off, and I went back to Lexington, and I stopped by to see Sonny, and he had this new guy who had just joined their band, uh, Mark Gray. Mark Gray, yeah. And Mm -hmm. um, so Sonny kind of liked what I was writing and stuff, and he said to Mark, hey, uh, why why don't you play Mark some songs, you know? And so I played him some songs, and, and Mark, who was an incredible songwriter, singer, piano player, everything. He loved what I was doing, and he said, you need to just move to Nashville. (laughs) And Ian Tyson had been telling me the same thing. So it was like, if you have two people that you look up to as heroes, and they say that, you think, well, maybe I need to really do that. that. So uh, I uh, moved down because of Mark, and he said, when you get down here, I'll help you any way I can. And uh, And did he? Nope. (laughs) I mean, he kind of did, but he had his own okay. demons he was oh, wrestling sure he with. Did. Yeah, and we lost and, him a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah. 
it, it was sad because he he went down that road and, yeah. and never came back. But and um, it happens in this business. But just the fact yeah. that he thought I had something was mm-hmm. enough to get me to move to Nashville, and I'm oh, yeah. and, and ever thankful for that. But yeah. great guys, and I'm glad they're still out there playing. You know, sixty years for them too. Which, yeah, yeah, that's just awesome. Sense. And you know, they're just an inspiration to me that you're still out there doing it. And, and me too. Dylan's still out there doing it. The yes, Stones got a new record out. Yes, they and, do, and uh, it's great. So that's why mm-hmm. you know I want to die young at a very older age. Was written about <laughs> McCartney, but it's written about me too. So. We're going to get into that. This uh, that's just on the new album. And I want to just set up real quick. You took a trip to Liverpool. And you visited all those sites, didn't you? We did. and uh, I want to do that. Tell me about it. Well, it's just so cool. You know, on the dock, we were on a boat, and so we docked there. And on the dock is the statues of the Beatles, mm-hmm. and they're like maybe nine feet tall or something. <laughs> and so I, it was cold over there, and this was in June, and I had a Bluebird sweatshirt on because I'd done a benefit for them a couple weeks before, and they gave me the sweatshirt. And wow. so somebody took a picture, and when I saw it, me standing with the Beatles in the Bluebird Cafe shirt, I thought, that's a title for an album. Because yeah. uh, Garth got his break at the Bluebird Cafe playing If Tomorrow Never Comes when he everybody sure had passed on him for yeah. two years. So, yeah. And even the, 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 when they signed him, they had already said no that week, didn't they? And then they yeah. said, well, maybe we ought to... We missed something. Why don't you come back in? So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so that just sounded like a great title. And I came home and started working wow. on songs that would go with it. And So you decided this is going to be that kind yeah. of a concept uh, but, record. But yeah. it was fun to go to Penny Lane and Strawberry oh. Field and see the house where Ringo grew up in and uh, oh, cool. the cavern and, yeah. you know, all that stuff. And wow. uh, just to picture what it was like. I know. I understand I, you could play at the cavern. We have, There's a girl yeah. in town uh, whose band did that. They have a little Beatles uh, thing, uh, four girls together. Yeah, they have people playing while we were there during the middle of the day. I'm sure they just keep the music going all the time. How cool. But yeah, it was, yeah. It was very cool. Yeah. I just can't imagine. I got to do that. It's on the bucket list. One yeah, day, you so. got to do that. Let's get back to the day that the music was resurrected. It was There's a song and it leads off the, 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 the CD, uh, February 9th, 1964. And uh, it's a pretty cool date in history because, like we said, it things changed. And can I play this? This is a the first cut from the new record. Thank uh, you. From Beatles to the Bluebird, Kent Blasey, our guest on the Songwriter Connection Hall of Famer, is back.
how you worked in some of the songs the Beatles songs yeah. and, but the sounds just kill me you've got that is that is that Steve doing the the, the 12 Beatles? string yeah. the 12 string yeah. oh that's great your buddy Steve yeah Steve <clears throat> Allen great guitar player yeah. uh-huh. um, I just told him do something like George would do and <laughs> yeah. he did and, and he uh, did and he helped you on the Birds album when you were last yeah, year for the Birds he did um, and, he and I play in a band together mm-hmm. uh, when we can find gigs <laughs> um, but uh, yeah he's just fabulous yeah. Um very talented. I, I don't even need to tell him what to do. He just knows what to do because we kind of grew up in that same era together. And yeah. Pretty yeah. cool. You had a pretty good band in the 80s, too, didn't you, Steve? Uh, he was in 2020. 2020, okay. Yeah. yeah. And uh, they had a couple pop hits. If you go to uh, American Bandstand and Google yeah. 2020, you'll see him on see there him. playing. With Dick Clark? <laughs> yeah, Dick Clark. <laughs> that was pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And uh, Steve's from Tulsa. Mm-hmm. And uh, the cool thing is... You know, when I started out playing guitar, I had to buy cigarettes for a guy that would teach me to play. But his guitar teacher was Hubert Shamblin, who played lead guitar for Bob Wills and the Texas Playboys. That wow. was his guitar teacher. I mean, you know, fabulous jazz player, rock player, country player. And oh, so that's where Steve gets so much of that talent, I he think. Gets, he had a really good teacher. He's definitely got some chops. He does. Absolutely. And he's written, co-written a couple songs on this record, too. Yeah. Right? He wrote yeah. that one and the very last, first and last. The, the first and ends. last. Yeah. <laughs> book ended, okay. Uh, do you remember uh, February 9th, 1964? you remember watching TV that day? I do remember that. And the reason I remember it is... Um, you know, in Kentucky, stuff usually got to us about three years after everywhere else. But I remember being on the school bus that week and um, just kids talking about the Beatles, you know, mm-hmm. and I had no clue what they were talking about. So yeah. like everybody else, I tuned in and it was mind boggling. You oh, know, it yeah. just blew yeah. my mind, uh, especially the girls screaming and, yeah. you know, just the sound that they had. Oh, yeah. And the joy that they seemed to be having playing together on stage. And, you know, what was so cool to me is when uh, Peter Jackson did that movie and they were up on the 
top of the building playing again Loved after they'd it. been arguing for yeah. months. Yeah. It was like they were kids again. It, really and it was, was just that magic. And I, it's like, that's what music does. That's what music's music. all about. That yeah. healing. You know, I have a funny story about that. My, my, my nephew works at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh, cool. And, and this spring, we went up to, to Cleveland, where I'm from, and we visited, and uh, he got us in. And uh, He better. Yeah, he better. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it was great because I hadn't been there in like 20 years, you know. Right. Um, his dad was in a band that actually played uh, there uh, one night in a Battle of the Bands thing. So it was cool to go back, reminisce. And uh, they were it was the beat, they were doing the Beatles rooftop concert, and they were playing it in a special area, and they had a little surround uh, theater. You know, you'd walk in, and there were just you know, few people in there. Right. And I have terrible allergies, and my eyes were like faucets that day. I mean, they just won't turn off. I mean, you're going back and forth between the uh, dry eye and the boshulam allergy and nothing stopping it. And so I'm sitting there watching it and there's just another older lady next to me and she sees my eyes pouring down and she comes over and puts her arm around me and she pats me on the shoulder and she goes, I know, right? <laughs> you know, and I go, hey, I know. John Lennon, oh yeah. So I just played it up. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. But, so, but emotional, yes. It, it was emotional it was emotional yeah. being in liverpool you know oh, I'll bet. seeing where it all came so did from. you get to abbey road too and did you do the no, everybody has to do the cross rock see that's in london <laughs> oh that's in london yeah so okay. we and were a long way from london we were supposed to go to london uh-huh. and the boat couldn't dock for whatever reason uh-huh. so we ended up uh where's the time change greenwich or something greenwich england that's where is that what it time is? starts every day oh, that's okay. where we ended up and so we didn't we were supposed to go into london we didn't get to do that uh, so next, next time. time that's right <laughs> next time next time awesome well cool uh getting back to the record um beatles to the bluebird cool concept and, and we're talking about the shirt mm-hmm. uh and the picture and those pictures are out there if you, you know what in fact i'm gonna try to I'll post that on my webpage. Awesome. When this, uh, there's, because it's a great picture of you, uh, next to these nine foot tall, uh, Beatles statues and you and your bluebird shirt. Now, if you're not familiar with the bluebird, can't tell them about the bluebird here in, in, in Nashville. It's this tiny little club that was probably the first songwriter club there ever had been. And, uh, started by Amy Curlin in the early eighties. Mm-hmm. And so many people have been discovered there. Yeah. Um, Taylor so Swift. many songwriters, Taylor Swift. <laughs> Garth Brooks, Garth Brooks, you know, it just goes on and on. And um, Dave Linehan. No. <laughs> hey, well, hey. I'm playing there, there in December. So that's you, good. Yeah. So anyway. uh, it, it's just a magic place where it is. it's a home for songwriters, and it always has been. And it's 90 seats. It's tiny. It, it's hard to get tickets. It's hard it? to get tickets, especially yeah. after the Nashville TV show. Mm-hmm. But it's just a magical place. And um, mm-hmm. thanks to the Bluebird, Garth got a record deal, mm-hmm. hence the uh, Bluebird in yeah. the title. And, yeah. um, and he played If Tomorrow Never Comes. He played If Tomorrow Never Comes. He got to play one song, and he played that. Mm-hmm. And Lynn Schultz from Capitol Records, who'd passed on him for the third time that week, <laughs> uh, came up to him and said, maybe we missed something. Why don't you come yeah. back in? And yeah. The rest is history. Wow, it really is. And any time you get to play there, it's such a special. Even today for you, Hall of Famer, huh? I bet you it's oh, something you're oh, still yeah, on for. Yeah, I mean... I'm getting to do a show. Um, this is pretty cool. You'll appreciate it that you're going to be there. But um, they asked me to bring three young writers that I know yeah. that need to be heard. And so oh, I got it set up. It's an early show on the 20th. But there's a friend of mine who Garth introduced me to back when we were just starting out. And his name's Kent also, Kent Maxson. And um, he and Garth were writing together. And Garth thought we should write together. And so we, we did a couple times. But Kent was working for Circuit City, 
Mm-hmm. And um, they made him an offer to go to Texas and be like one of the heads of Circuit City. And so he had a family, two kids and a wife. And mm-hmm. and so he moved down there right before Garth hit big. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think he regretted it from then on. And so he finally moved back here um, about four or five years ago. And I actually... My wife's name is Cindy, and he married a woman named Cindy. In fact, I married them at our house. Oh so Kent and Cindy married Kent and Cindy. But uh, <laughs> but he had never played the cool. Bluebird. So I started thinking it'd be cool to get him to come out and sit in that night and at least play one song yeah. with these youngsters where he could say, I played the Bluebird. So yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Absolutely. So yeah. another – and. To, to him, it's just a magical place that he's never gotten to play, and mm. so I wanted to make that happen for him. And another friend of mine, J-Boy Adams, who's a big Texas artist, he'd never played the Bluebird. And I told him I had a show coming up, and he said, well, I've never played the Bluebird. And I said, well, just consider yourself being on my show. So, We're going to change that, yeah, right? So he flew wow. in and played, and you know, it's just for people that know what it is, it's life-changing when you get to uh-huh. be up there and play. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. And, and it's such a great audience. They're appreciative. They listen. In fact, you know, there's little cards on the table that tell you, shh, and they will kick you out yeah. <laughs> if you talk. And so it's just such a trip. Because you talk about that immediate feedback of a song that you've written, you know. Right. And you can tell if it's going over, you can tell. You know? Well, you know, Garth, I'm not Garth, but actually Pat Alger talks about it because we're going to do, we do a live hospice every year in That's January. Great. and it's I love that you do Pat that. Alger, Tony Rada. Vic Shaw, me, and sometimes that other guy, GB, shows up. GB you know, shows did, up sometimes. He did last year. It wouldn't surprise me. He's and, just that uh, kind of guy, you know. When they wrote um, Unanswered Prayers, they went and played the Bluebird that night. And after they got to the end of the first verse, people gave him a standing ovation. And that, mm. you know, and it's like, okay, there's your feedback. That, yeah, that's, that's that's a big that's song a winner. right there. That's a keeper. <laughs> and so they were right about that. So that's the kind of thing that can happen there. That is really something. Mm-hmm. So we connect these two great things. Uh, the Beatles coming to America to inspiring you and all the things that you've been through. Music Row, the song, everything to the Bluebird. It's all, it started here, ended there. And exactly. uh, I think it's a cool story. And I was wondering if you can play this song for us. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Man, that was a new kind of cool We had lo-fi on the hi-fi Blasting that music loud Sometimes I have to laugh When I look back on it now Got me a Fender Stratocaster Couldn't play a single lick a kid three streets down would show me chords if I bought him cigarettes. After all these years, I'm still learning how to play. It's been a long, strange trip to where I am today. Oh, and I guess I've logged 10,000 hours playing high school dances and honky-tonk bars. 
And never in my wildest dreams did I ever dream I would get this far, oh I sure have come a long, long way From the Beatles to the Bluebird Cafe Sometimes I was so broke I almost gave it up But I'm lucky I've always made my living Doing what I love And I'm still doing what I love And I guess I've logged 10,000 hours Playing high school dances and honky-tonk bars Never in my wildest dreams did I ever dream I would get this far, oh, I sure have come a long, long way. From the Beatles to the Bluebird Cafe. From the Beatles to the Bluebird. tribute to not only the Beatles, but our Bluebird Cafe here in Nashville. It's Kent Lacey, uh, Hall of Fame songwriter on this Songwriter Connection. Kent, going to take a real quick break, and then we'll come back and talk about that, okay? Don't go away. Hi, I'm Brooklyn Summer. Every four seconds, a child disappears somewhere in the world. Imagine a family's pain when a child's been stolen. Human trafficking is a global epidemic. Voices Against Trafficking speaks for victims who are locked in a world of hopelessness. Broken Treasures, You Hold the Key is a music compilation featuring artists and celebrities who want to save the world's children. Right now, you can help save someone's child. Go to VoicesAgainstTrafficking.com today. Proceeds benefit child victims. We can free them, but you hold the key. You're listening to the Songwriter Connection, connecting with music makers and hearing their songs and stories. Now back to the show with your host, Dave Linehan. And we're back with uh, Kent Lazy, who's in the uh, Nashville Songwriters Hall of Fame. And it's good to have you back around our dining room table here on the podcast. I Kent, love it. Good to have you here. Folks, if you're listening on YouTube, please hit that like and subscribe button. That really helps. Although I know we're not the, 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 the video podcast as of yet. We're exploring that. We're still thinking about it. But uh, it still helps. Just uh, click and subscribe, and then you'll never miss an episode. So we publish every Wednesday religiously, uh, 2 o'clock in the morning Central Time, Woo! which is our Nashville time, so that you can wake up with a cup of coffee and make a new connection. So. Wow. From the Beatles to the Bluebird, the new record from Kent uh, Blazing. And it's it's just really, a, I'm really just enjoying uh, listening to every song. Every song has got a cool story and 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 uh, and, and very autobiographical, uh, biographical right. in parts, you know. Um, I love how you worked in uh, <laughs> your Fender Stratocaster that you mentioned right. <laughs> earlier into the song. That's kind of cool. And uh, I love uh, lo-fi on the hi-fi. <laughs> right. Well, that's so what it was, you know. It was, it was like, yeah, it's funky stuff we listened to, you know. We yeah. Didn't, we didn't know any better back no, then. And, no. And in five years, the technology had changed <sighs> drastically. Yes, you know? it did. And then again, you know. Yeah. But I'll tell you, during the COVID, um, that first check that came in, I used toward this new, I decided I wanted a new hi-fi stereo and with vinyl. 
Right. And, and that's what I did. And then I went through and I bought like every Beatles record I could. I think I've got them all in that. Well, you can't get them all. Right. But just about, you know. Um, and uh, I love listening to my vinyl. And I love uh, the Beatles. You know, and you talked about all the uh, genres that they used to listen to and uh, what they grew up on. And if you listen to some of those early Beatles records, they always put an old R&B song yeah. or country song mm-hmm. in there. So, uh, yeah, you mean... Uh... George Harrison's big idol was Chet Atkins. He played a Chet Atkins guitar. And I I think that finger-picking thing that George did gave them a different sound Mm -hmm. than people that just strum, you know? And uh, it's all those little pieces that each of them brought Mm -hmm. that it couldn't have been anybody else but them. And then they all could harmonize, too. Yeah. Which uh, goes unnoticed a lot of times, but uh, was a big part of that. Great harmonies. Yeah. Great harmonies. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And they were great musicians. And they were just kitschkin. They were like 21, 22. Exactly. That's what people forget, too. And then, you know, they also had played 12 hours a day <laughs> for eight years in little crappy places in Germany and everywhere else. And that they were ready when they hit. Yeah. It wasn't like today, well, we got to... We got to get him, send him to school to teach him how to play because he looks good and we're going to make him a star. You know, it's not that way. They paid their dues. And we seem to, in the industry, be going away from that again today. We're starting to get people that are just normal, everyday folks. I mean, people yeah. with tattoos on their faces and uh, maybe that's have some... everyday folks. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> yeah, I know. It's not like the um, rock idols anymore. You know, it's, it's like, uh, okay, maybe not a regular person, but um, people with weight on them. Maybe they're not yeah. the most beautiful person in the world, but they're genuine, and right. their music is genuine. Well, and I like seeing that because, you know, for a while you all had to look like Tim McGraw. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And now it's big boys, you know, yeah. and uh, yeah. I wouldn't want to mess with them. So. <laughs> I wouldn't want to mess with them, that's for sure. <laughs> Things change, and that's what happens. But yeah, exactly. It yeah. It's good to see. It really is, yeah. There is a few of these songs on this CD that I just I just really love. Um, and one of the stories I, I wish you would uh, talk about is Birds on a High Line. Uh, very cool story behind that song. So uh, Garth introduced me to Kim Williams. Kim Williams, by the way. He's in the... He's in the Hall of, Hall of Fame. Fame. Oh, yeah, yeah. One of the most amazing writers. Um, and uh, Garth called me up one day. And what he, Garth used to do, which I think is pretty cool, if he and I would write a song, he would play it for other songwriters to see what they thought. And nice. I remember him playing me Wolves by Stephanie Davis in my kitchen. You know, I'm thinking of cutting this song. <laughs> After I finished crying like a baby, I said, oh yeah, I think that might be a good one. But uh, he called me up one day and he said, hey, I, I got this kid that I've been writing with. And, of course, Kim was 10 years older than him, but Garth always called him a kid. And oh, he said, I played him this last song that you and I wrote, and he hated it. Um, do you want to write with him? <laughs> he hated it. Yeah. And I said, well, why don't I write with somebody who hates my song? And he said, well, he liked one line in there, and he thought it could be a title for a song. And so I said, okay, I'll get together if you want to get together with him. And so... Um, Wait a minute. I just got to know... <laughs> What that line is. Uh, what never happened is what I'll never forget. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> and uh, so what uh. Garth hadn't told me was that Kim had been burned over 90% of his body. Yeah. And um, so Garth was never on time, and Gar- and Kim was always on time. So yeah. the first day he showed up at my house and I opened the door, I was kind of in shock. You know, I wasn't expecting him but after 10 minutes of knowing him you just forgot about it so garth finally got over there and we started working on that song from the title and uh, we got about halfway through it and garth's kind of like this other kid i work with Corey batten 
who just kind of spews stuff out every once in a while. Kari is so great. Look him up if you don't know. Yeah, he's, he's really cool fabulous. Guy. And so uh, Garth was in another room when we were taking a break, and he was singing something that sounded bluegrassy, and I'm from Kentucky. And I said, well, mm-hmm. what is that? And he said, I don't know. I'm just making it up. And I said, well, let's make it up. So it ended up being Cold Shoulder, which was on his record. And then we went back and finished the other song, and it got cut by the Birch Sisters and was a single. And after that writing appointment, I thought, two songs in one day, that might be Not bad. a pretty good thing. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, so we got to be really close friends. We got to tour England and Ireland together, among many mm. other places, and just a fabulous guy. And so his first song that he ever had cut with Garth was um, New Way to Fly. New Way to Fly. I remember that great And song. so... Um, Did that on the Opry. There's a video of him on the Opry doing it. Yep. Yeah. And so um, at Kim's funeral... Garth wanted me and him to sing that together so we oh. did and so I went over and heard Garth in uh, Ireland it was his last stadium tour things and when he did New Way to Fly he came over right where I was on the side of the stage and mm-hmm. sang it like he was singing it right towards me Ugh. and I'm going oh man I'm crying like a baby <laughs> your allergies were getting you that yeah, day my allergies, yeah. My, yeah my eyes were just they needed that stuff like you're talking about Yeah, and so uh I just started thinking, everywhere I go, I see these birds on a high line, you know. And so I was down in Texas doing a show with this friend of mine, Jay Boy Adams, and we had a day off. And everywhere you go in Texas, there's all these birds on the high mm-hmm. line. And I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write a song about Kim and call it Birds on a High Line. Because that's how the song started, wasn't it? Yeah, like Birds, like on, birds the, on a High like Line. Birds on a yep. High Line, yeah. So... Oh. Uh, it all came out in one day, you know. Did it really? Yeah, yeah, it was pretty wild. I just worked on it all day, and, you know, it was a very heartfelt thing. And so when I put that on the album, the album started morphing into being a different thing than what it had been in the first few songs. And it and yeah. it led me to write some songs about what it's like to be aging in America or aging in the music business, like I Want to Die Young, or even mm-hmm. Stay Wild was another one. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, what's the other one on there? It's kind of like that. It's like, uh, just because people think you're old doesn't mean you need to be old or they tell you you're old. And you know, McCartney's out there, 84 years old, still touring, singing in the same key, sung them in to begin with. Ringo and the all-star band. I know. I saw him a couple years ago at the Ryman. It was a great show. Yeah. He's, he was very underrated from the very beginning, but he's still out there rocking along. So it ended up being kind of two different albums in one, but mm-hmm. you know, it's like you can't buy into what people tell you things have to be like. And that's, that's true. what I wanted people to kind of think about. Like the Stay Wild one, there were so many people growing up to me, and some of them just passed away recently, which probably influenced it. Like Jeff Beck, he oh, never did anything yeah. like anybody else did, you no. know? Mm-mm. And uh, see, that goes back to what we always preach on this show about uh, genres, you know, don't lock yourself into one. Be you. Be you who you are. There wasn't a Garth right. before Garth. There wasn't a Jeff Beck before Jeff Beck. That's right. And David yeah. Crosby, he David was Crosby. another one, you know? Yeah. And both of those guys had passed pretty close to each other, and uh, they were just iconic and. They just did it the way they wanted to do it, exactly. and uh, no matter how old they were, and yeah, you know that's that's a good thing to kind of keep in mind. I think so too. It's good advice. So let's hear this bird on a high because you've got some really great line, great songs, and great story on this one. Can you play that one for us? Ooh, I don't okay? know if I can remember all the no. words. Well, but if not, we'll choose another one. I see. I have that terrible <laughs> habit of requesting songs that people aren't ready to play. But see, if you request them from me earlier, I can be uh, ready. I but promise. I'll get through what I get through. How's that? <laughs> do whatever you can. 
12 string. That's a Taylor 12 string, by the way. It's a beautiful sound. An electric one. An electric one, yeah. Every time I see birds on a high line, it makes me think about you. And all of the crazy and amazing thing you got to do. A boy from Poor Valley who ended up on the CMA stage. Oh, I'm thankful that I got to know you when we met that day. Like birds on a high line, I sing that first verse out loud. Don't matter if I'm all alone in my car Or standing in some concert crowd It takes me back To that faithful day we first met A whole lot of memories God made That I'll never forget So I watch as those birds start to fly Highway into the sky And I think back on our last goodbye And the gift you still are to my life All the great songs you wrote and the bad jokes you told I smile with tears in my eyes Oh, I'm thankful that we had that time When I hear birds on a high line You'll always be one of my heroes And one of friends You called us the three amigos What we had won't happen again Yeah, you and me and GB We were hell of a team Yeah, that boy from Poor Valley Further than he on a highline it makes me think about you what a great tribute to your dear friend Kim Williams if you're not familiar with Kim Google and he's written some great songs like Three Wooden Crosses oh pa- yeah Papa Love Mama Papa he said Love he had a penchant of killing people in some. he did he <laughs> killed off more people than anybody I mean Papa Love Mama was one but I don't know how yeah. many died in Three Wooden Crosses <laughs> yeah. you know, well, these nobody three. can really figure out what yeah, happened right. there was there, a bus so. full of people right yeah. yeah yeah. oh gosh yeah what a great song you know I was at uh, the uh, the Songwriter Fest in Gatlinburg last uh, August and they put him into the Gatlinburg uh, Songwriter Hall of Fame awesome that weekend and um, I stayed at the Gatlinburg Inn and what happens during that festival 
is this big hootenanny on the porch uh, okay. every night. And Kim's wife was there, and she'd shout out a song, and we'd play it, and we just had a blast with her. She was singing. She's so much fun. And I absolutely, you just reminded me, I've got to call uh, Amanda, because I adore his daughter, Amanda right. Williams, and the things she's yeah, doing. she's and fabulous. She says she wants to do the podcast. We just haven't set a date, and we're going to do that. So Tell her I said hi. I will. She's just amazing, too. In fact, her new record, which I just bought I just bought that on a, a vinyl not, not too long ago. She does a version of Papa, Papa Loves Mama on it. Her own style is, right. oh, it's just really great. I'll, I'll have to Google that. Um, yeah. You know, uh, the last song on the record is... Uh, another one by uh, Steve Allen and I. But um, they asked us to come out to Leon Russell's studio and do a show and uh, tour the museum and all that. And so we recorded that song at the studio there. Did you really? Yeah, which was pretty magical. But I had just written Birds on a High Line, and I sent it to Phyllis. And she flew in to Tulsa to see the show and thank me for writing that song (sighs) from Knoxville, Tennessee or whatever. Yeah. So that was pretty amazing to me. What a lovely, lovely woman. Mm-hmm. And a great woman. Wow. Great. Just well, you had to be put up with Kim. Yeah, I guess you did. And, you know, I mean, she nursed him <laughs> back to health when he he died about three <clears throat> different times, you know. Yeah. And uh, he he was a wild and crazy guy, but she stuck with him the whole time. Mm. You know, it's pretty amazing. I remember Danny Wells on this podcast uh, a while back saying, first time he wrote, they went to... Uh, he was at a cabin uh, just north of Gatlinburg. Yeah. And they said they got there at like 1 o'clock in the morning. So he figured they'd probably get a good night's sleep mm-hmm. and, and get up early and write. And Kim says, well, how you guys feel about, when would you like to get started writing? And he was just like, you know, morning. I was thinking, he's good. no, how about right now? Let's go. And they wrote all night long, you know. And I love it. <laughs> you know? He just, you know, he loved writing. And when he came to town... I guess when he was laying in the hospital bed for a year, he figured God told him he needed to be a songwriter. Mm. And um, he came to town with a vengeance, and he wrote four times a day, every single day. And uh, 8 o'clock in the morning till 8 or 10 at night. And I had never seen anybody come to town with that kind of drive. And, um, you Mm. know, it was only five years later that he was ASCAP Songwriter of the Year two different years in a row. And it just shows you what that perseverance and hard work pays off. Hard work. And he didn't let his injuries and his health stand in his way. I mean, there were times, I know we we were down writing with Clay Walker a couple times. And even when we were touring in Ireland, he had a pick line in him where he had to give himself medicine while we were doing all this stuff. Never complained, never never said a word. Mm. I was probably about the only one that knew what was going on. And um, he just kept pushing ahead you know and just an amazing human being and never had the pleasure of meeting him but from the stories i hear uh i feel like i have known him a little bit yeah and uh, i wish i could have so he was one of those characters that we don't have a whole lot of characters in nashville anymore but he was definitely we one don't. of them yeah <laughs> we don't we don't <laughs> yeah we've we've got a lot of bro bars down there on broadway but we got a few characters yeah them. yeah lots of them these days do you get downtown much i try to stay away from them as much as possible yeah it's you know to me it's it's good that people think that's Nashville, but that's not Nashville. Really isn't. And, I keep telling folks that you, you know, know, and and you can't take them to Music Row anymore because it's not there anymore. Take what was Music Row? It's yeah, it used to be. This used to be here. Christopherson <laughs> was here, and Dolly was here, and yeah. you know, it's just it's kind of sad. sad that they think that's 
that's the music now. Yeah. And I mean, I'm glad that it's keeping all the musicians working and all that. And Garth started a new bar. He's that's right. Got Garth it is open there. now. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, Hanks, I got, I'm playing a songwriter night at Hanks on a Sunday night. You're coming up. There you go. Hank Williams Jr.'s Boogie Bar. So I didn't know he had one. See? Yeah. Yeah. It's next to Ernest Stubbs, I guess. Uh, record show. Okay. Which I don't think is open still, but. Anyway, that's a shame. It's a whole other story. Yeah. <laughs> Great place. Yeah, absolutely. Man. So anyway, I always get into these little rabbit holes. We can run up. But I wanted to talk about Nuts and Bolts a little bit. I noticed that last song you did, Three Quarter Time. Right. And whenever I really want to write a country song and I feel that this idea deserves a country treatment, I usually start in Three Quarter Time or, you know, Six Eight, something like that. Right. It seems to be the thing, huh? Well, you know... The other thing that's interesting, I'm a big Jason Isbell fan. Oh, me too. My and friend. so he's got a new album out. Yeah. And he does a lot of three-quarter songs. Yeah. And he has a capacity of not making it sound like it's a three-quarter song. Really? Like this one really falls on the three-quarter beat. But yeah. a lot of his, you almost have to be aware of where the count is to know that he's doing a three-quarter song. But wow. it's something to explore where you don't just always go back to that same three-quarter beat. But on this one, on um, Birds on a High Line, I could already hear how it was supposed to be mm-hmm. before I even had it all written. So it's like, I'm not going to fight it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so you had a it. melody in your head first? I, uh, well, or was it like more of a groove? The, the minute I started, I had that, that line kept playing over and over in my head. And so as I was driving around Texas, which Lord knows you can do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Forever. <laughs> yeah, I just kept singing that line, but it felt like it was a waltz, you know. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I wrote wrote out the whole lyric without having a guitar around. And then I found a guitar at J-Boy's house and kind of put it all together. But mm. it was that kind of thing of, well, this is what's supposed to be, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, it's cool. Very good song. I love it. I just love that song. Uh, two, <laughs> I want to die young at a very old age. I thought that was the coolest hook I had heard in a long time. Well, and that was Paul McCartney uh, inspiration, you know, because God bless him. He's still out there rocking along. He is, man. And, and he sounds I mean, He sounds as good as he ever did. And he yeah. plays three hours a night. <laughs> in the I mean, same keys back when he was a kid, right? right. I yeah. know. So, yeah, it's crazy. He's he's something to really aspire to. And then Dylan's still out there. Oh, Lord, Lord, he's been smoking since Dylan. he was six years old. And- <laughs> you know what I saw recently, again, down the rabbit hole? I, I watched again The Last Waltz. Uh, on uh, Netflix or one of those. I just read the book about it. Did you? Yeah. What a great film. Uh-huh. And Dylan just uh, just took it over at the All end. those guys, yeah. It's just... Shall be relieved. But anyway, yeah. That's a whole other podcast sometime. But uh, anyway, yeah. They're, they're, I love the fact that they're still doing it, right? I, that Yeah. And so it's an inspiration for me, you know, to keep... Mm-hmm. Keep doing what I love. Why would I stop? See, now doing you're it? in your forties. You ain't slowing down at no, all, aren't you? At no, all. no. Well, same with you. You know, yeah. you're still out there playing. Why not? Why not? You know, as long as we can. This is what we've worked hard all our lives to be able to do. Exactly. Right. So yeah. I'm enjoying every bit. So of why it. stop? I'm not. You know? Yeah, yeah. And you're not either. You stay very busy, don't you? I do. What's a typical day for a Hall of Fame songwriter? I don't know if there is a typical day. <laughs> I know there really um, is. It just depends. What's on the docket that day? Whether you know, I do a lot of writing by myself anymore, do you? and it's kind of a different thing of um, writing with somebody or writing by yourself. And I used to take all of January and just write by myself. But if you don't use it, you kind of lose it. So a few mm-hmm. years ago, I think the first one I did this on was Footsteps of Dylan. I had this title that I liked, and so I just wrote the title at the top of the page. 
and I didn't work on it at all. But every time I would think of something that had to do with Dylan or I would do some research about him, I would write what I got down on the page. And when the page filled up, I thought, well, let me see if I have a song. And so I thought, well, that's kind of a fun way to do it where mm-hmm. you're not forcing the song to come out. Like some of them, like Birds on a Highline, they're just going to come out. But other right. ones, so that I'm working on a new record now, and that's kind of what it is. I've got some things I want to say and some titles I'm working with, but I'm not forcing it. So uh, okay. Okay. Uh, other days are just business stuff you got to take care of, you know. Uh, other days you're on baby duty like we are right now for my, my wife's daughter. And, and, uh, wife's daughter. So, yeah, I don't know if there's a typical day. You know, there mm-hmm. used to be, like back when Kim and I were writing together, you know, I probably wrote every day, Monday through Friday, at least once, but maybe twice a day. Wow. And, you know, that's what you kind of did back then. Yeah. But you were just kind of... lunch panel, start at 10, do a session, yeah, pretty brunch? Much. Well, you know... Another session in the afternoon. Garth used to like to write at nine o'clock in the morning. Did he? Yeah. Was he an early riser? Mm. I don't know. I just think he he was ready to get on. Sometimes it. Sometimes you're you fresher know? in the morning. Yeah. Some people and are... um, and he was the first guy. And now most of the young people they want to start at noon. You know. And I'm like, well, you know, I've been up since six in the morning. I don't know when you've been up, but uh, so it's a different world now. But it was just yeah. funny to see that nine o'clock in the morning. And speaking wow. of Kim, one one day. We got together when he was crunched for time, I think it was on the Fresh Horses album. We wrote at 6 o'clock in the morning. Wow. That was the only time he had. Wow. And uh, mm. we, we wrote Cowboys and Angels, you know, at wow. 6 o'clock in the morning. And, 6 in the morning. Yeah. So, uh, oh, wow. You know, and it's like you said, you can do it any time it strikes you. Like him wanting to start at midnight or 2 in the morning. He yeah. didn't care. He, he just cared. wanted to write. He loved it. He know? was ready. Yeah. yeah. I love that. I love that passion. As long as you didn't feed him, then he'd fall asleep. <laughs> we figured that out pretty quick. <laughs> Absolutely. Where did you uh, Where did you record this one? I know last one you said uh, it was at um, uh, Garth's place. Right. This well, is different, right? Well, I was supposed to go in and do it at Garth's place, and I had it all scheduled. Um, and I was out doing a show in Santa Fe, and I was flying back from, I guess, Albuquerque or something, and I got a call. Well, Garth wants to be in the studio, and I went, mm. That's, that guy, you know. So here I was. I had all the musicians lined up. I had everything lined up, and you hate to try to change the schedules of everybody. and Because right. uh, two of the guys play with John Party that I always use, the bass player and drummer. And so John's Those guys schedule, on this one too, huh? Yeah. Yeah, good. Uh, good. Just great, great players. And um, so... I called Juanita at Sound Emporium, and I'd done the one before the one I did at Garth's at Sound Emporium, and I liked that that studio, but she didn't have the room that I wanted. She gave me the bigger room, and that just had a magic to it that was okay. unbelievable. A big room. We went in and cut 10 songs in one day. Did you really? Yeah. yeah. No kidding. Yeah, and it's because Steve and John's Tracks, guys are vocals, so not vocals, though. Yeah. Just, just the tra- everything. Well, what I do is um, I'll sing and play at the same time. Like I was playing on electric guitar and singing all the things mm-hmm. while we laid it down. Yeah. Because there's kind of an energy about everybody being in the room, like everybody I used to cut, is. you know. And you want to capture that, Yeah, I want to capture that. And everybody was so enthralled with the feel of that room mm-hmm. that they were just so excited about it. I think we started at... At ten, and we finished maybe before four o'clock. Cut ten you songs. Kidding. Yeah, that's incredible. I know, but that's how great these musicians are too, right? Well, and you know what we're aiming for. The Beatles did the same thing. Their first album was cut Perfect. in one day. Perfect. And uh, Perfect. you know what I do with them? 
And I advise this to anybody is I'll get with them like a week before and I'll just go over the songs with them and let them chart them out. Mm -hmm. And then we'll just get to the studio and they're like, well, I don't remember how this went, of course, you know. And (laughs) and so I'll play them a little bit and they got their charts and we just go in and do it. And Mm -hmm. they're so good. I never tell them what to do, what to play. They just know what to play and. It just makes it easy and fun. If you're not familiar with charting, uh, there's this Nashville number system. And these guys can listen to the song and they just write numbers down. One, four, five, six, (laughs) they write these numbers down. Six minus, you know, and there's diamonds and things. It's just, it's it's like algebra. But these guys can look at these numbers and play that song that they've been playing all their life. That's That's right. Hear it one time and play it. Look it up if you don't, if you're not familiar. Nashville number system. It's amazing. I mean, it's the musicianship in this town is just scary uh, beyond belief yeah it is and uh yeah it's, uh, how many uh, guitar pickers in national 1432 i think it was i love probably way more than that now, that, now that was right the now. 60s you know <laughs> that was back in the 60s yeah i think we had five or six songwriters <laughs> then you know roger miller and willie nelson and oh yeah chris yeah. christopherson or something look at know? it now you just throw a stone in this town and you're gonna hit one gonna hit somebody somewhere <laughs> They're, they're maybe they're waiting on you. Maybe they're parking your car. You never know. That's exactly right. Yeah, they're all around. So, um, and we're all doing the same thing. And that's kind of the reason why we've done this podcast. I like to to meet a lot of the songwriters in town and upcoming artists. And one that I re- ones that I really dig that that are new. I love what they're doing. I try to invite them on. So you'll you'll hear new uh, faces here uh, from time to time. Well, we need people like that. You yeah. know, it's like the Bluebird asking me to do a show to bring three young people on, I and I had that. just done that at the listening room. It's like they got to have an outlet on where they can be heard because I agree. You know, when we were coming up, you did showcases or you had places where you could go and hear somebody who wanted to be an artist. And that doesn't really exist these days. It's more what's your social numbers and that crazy, you know? Yeah. yeah. So it's a different world, but I, I sure miss being able to go hear a guy or a girl that wants to do. That's how Trisha got her record deal was at, uh, Douglas Corner, which I miss, you know. Oh, I miss she, that place too. Yeah. She did, really. Yeah, she was at uh, Douglas Corner. Douglas Corner, wow. and uh, there were like three record labels there, and I think Tony Brown jumped up on the stage afterwards mm. and said, "I'm signing you," you know, and, and wow, that's how it happened. Incredible. And, uh, yeah. You know, you were saying too in the the last time that we got together, it used to be back in the day. Uh, you do the if you were an up up and coming artist, you do these demo sessions. Garth did, mm-hmm. or she was a demo singer, and a lot of times the record exec would hear the demo and they go, "Who's that singing?" And you could build. You know, today you say it's more about your social numbers, um, which made me want to ask a question, um, and and I should have then. Um, how important is it to demo a good song that you love today uh, as a writer? It, what, are people still doing that? You know, what and then pitching it. What it's come down to these days, it seems like for most of the people I talk to, is the deals that kids get these days are so totally different. The three sixty deal, yeah. where yeah. Uh, all the money that you're going to make goes to somebody till you break merch, even. Sales, all, all of it, publishing. Yeah. And so, what that set up is a thing where, whether. Uh, so, uh, a singer can write, he's told he's got to write. Mm-hmm. So he, they have a little click usually of people that are all on the same yeah. publishing company label and they write together and they have a, a guy called a track guy mm-hmm. that while they're writing a song, the track guy's working on a track. So at the end of the day, if they've written a song, they have the track guy did a, a, a demo. So 
there aren't really demos these days much. Larry Beard's about the only place I know that's still doing demos and doing a great job and has demo singers and stuff. But most of them, it's in these little cliques of people. And it's, it's because they're trying to keep the money there is in this little group in of house. people. Yeah. yeah. And the sad part is, you know, Garth could have written every song on every album by himself. And he could have. I don't people realize that. Yeah, he's, he's such an incredible writer. Yeah. But... Um, Half the songs on every album were outside songs. So he found the dance, and he found Friends in Low Places, and he found Shameless, uh, Baton Rouge, all these songs that took him to a higher level. And mm-hmm. I don't really see that happening yeah. these days, where somebody finds another song that really takes them to a yeah. different level. Maybe Cody Johnson might be the only one that comes to mind. But right. um, I think mm-hmm. we're missing something there. I do, too. I really do. I mean, how many more... Number one, Ashley Gorley hits. <laughs> I know. Although I love him. I mean, he's, he's 60 or some number one songs, but uh, uh, it just seems to be the same people, you know, again and again. And it's going to catch up, I think, if, if it doesn't change. Yeah. Uh, so, well, who knows? I, I hope anyway. I'm just conjecture. It's just conjecture, you know. Uh, who can predict the future, you know? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, how about, uh, I know we chat a lot and I get off track. I get down rabbit holes. But uh, how about one more song to leave us uh, from this great new record? Uh, Beatles to the Bluebird uh, with Kent Lacey, who's been our guest in the summer. All right, let me think of what I would do. Anything you like. Mm -hmm. Uh. Oh, there's a Beatles. Listen to that. He was in a band that changed the world. changed my life I picked up an electric guitar after hearing a hard day's night he's always been my inspiration fired up my imagination been tearing it up since the 60s Rocking right into his 80s He gives me the motivation To keep doing what I love And I want to die young At a very old age I don't want to close the book Till I've read every page Make the most of every moment I'm given Live it up while I'm still living yeah, I want to die young At a very old age Every morning when I open up my eyes I just smile and say Lucky, lucky me Every day is another celebration Yeah, the older I get, the older I want to be It's a matter of perception Time's a matter of invention What life is all about Making every moment count And the fountain of you 
song on MCD, absolutely. I want to die young, but at a very old age. Exactly, yeah. I love it. What a great concept. Oh, carry that with you. It's like, don't let the old man in, you know? Exactly. Don't like, let the old man in. I love it. Or the old woman in. Or the old woman in. That's right. So, Kent, all the best with this one. And I know you've got, you're you already working on your next one. I'm and, working on it. And when it's out, I want you to come back. And oh, hope of you course. Will. Yeah. Kent Lacey, the uh, Songwriter Hall of Fame member. So happy to have you here around the dining room table. Happy Thank to you. be here, Dave. It's Appreciate always great. You. Always yeah. fun. You're a man. Thank you for listening to the Songwriter Connection podcast. Find us on social media at Songwriter Connection. Also, listen to Dave Lanahan's Nashville Connections radio show. It streams live every Friday morning on WOBL and WNOI. Look for us on Facebook and YouTube. See you next time on Songwriter Connection.